how Caesar explained it and how I've seen many dog trainers explain it is there's a transfer of energy that happens when you are on the receiving end of getting a dog bite. You're on the receiving end of some really negative, toxic, heavy energy. For the very first time now, I am able to sit in that position and be like, I experienced that. Hi, and welcome back to Honest to Dog podcast. I'm your host, Liz Foley, expert dog behaviorist and CEO of The Dog House. And with me, as always, the lovely, the wonderful Jeff Gadway. Thanks for being with me, Jeff. Thanks for being here, Liz. I'm really glad to be back at this with you. And I think we need to address that just right off the top here. What happened to us over the last couple of months? (laughs) It's been a crazy world. Um... I mean, 2020, like, do we need to say anything more? <laughs> say no more. I feel like that's the ultimate get out of jail free card. But in all honesty, I think we had a pretty busy summer. We were trying to maintain both of our businesses through the pandemic. We were trying to enjoy time with family. You became mm-hmm. an aunt. I did. I became an uncle to beautiful twin girls. Mm-hmm. And so we've been trying to spend a little bit more time with, with family from a, a safe physical distance. And... Dog training's been crazy for you. Talk a little bit about that. Talk about that. It really has been. And I expected it, but I don't think I anticipated it to this degree. There's been kind of like a feeling of treading water, I feel, like at the doghouse. So unfortunately, Honest to Dog podcast had to be set aside so that the things that were really, really pressing could get addressed. And so making sure the daycare, new protocols were put in place, um, that we were being safe, that staff were being well taken care of, um, were feeling healthy and providing for dogs. And then on top of that, um, meeting the demand for some pretty serious dog training issues. Um, I remember our last podcast before we took a break, we covered, we talked about COVID puppies and how I was concerned about what was going to come down the pipeline. And I really was like, you know, dogs are going to have severe separation anxiety. It's going to be a lot of anxious dogs out there. And what happened? Here we are a (laughs) few months later. Were your your worst fears realized or was was it not as bad or what, what, what happened? What has been the result? It's worse than I anticipated, if I'm being really honest. I am now seeing human aggressive dogs. So not just dogs who are really insecure and unfamiliar with so many things. They weren't socialized with other dogs, with different environments and with people and they don't have any coping skills. So they lash out. Yeah, so when you say human aggressive, for those who might not be familiar with the terminology, what does a human aggressive dog look like? What are some of the behaviors that they might exhibit that are dangerous or destructive? They are under a lot of stress. And so typical signs of stress are really wide eyes, sometimes even bloodshot, licking lips, panting, uh, fixation on things. Um, And then there's the extreme, right? Where when in closer proximity to what stressing them they lash out and so that can look like biting up the leash like i call it alligator mouth biting at their human biting at whoever is approaching they don't know what else to do so they almost try everything and is it typically in response to a stimulus or 
it can kind of happen unprovoked because they're so, you know, riled up or filled with energy, you know, under what circumstances is a human aggressive dog most dangerous? In close proximity to people that don't know how to handle these kinds of dogs. Um, and so what we're seeing, what's, what's happened is people have gotten puppies when they were in quarantine. These puppies were only kept with their, two, say it's two humans in a home. They only know those two humans because we weren't allowed to have anybody else over or interact with us. A lot of people were nervous leaving their homes to do any sort of walk or exercise with the dog. And so we've got pent up energy that hasn't been expelled in months. And then we have lack of exposure to other people, other dogs in other places. Anything and everything then becomes a trigger. I leave my house and I'm triggered by things. These dogs are just getting triggered and it's not even in close proximity to start. So it's at a, a pretty significant distance these dogs are getting triggered and sent into these spirals. A lot of these people too were brand new dog owners, like never owned a dog, went out, got a puppy um, to keep them company, right? And I understand that, but it was a really poor choice really thinking about it from the dog's perspective um we've talked about how puppies have a very small window for socialization and that's really the first 12 weeks of their life they need to have a lot of exposure with things in a positive way so anything and everything from your vacuum to stairs to people wearing hats to other dogs who are bigger other dogs who are smaller so many things they need to just have uh, an experience like oh that's what that is okay moving on and they don't build up fear towards it and so now we've got these dogs who are fearful of things pretty common the um, bar is is low yeah. it's a low bar right? they have no threshold right for stress i kind of have always prided myself in i've always been i think really safe and uh, conscientious of how dogs are feeling with with training and i always give them a lot of space and so with that i had never been bitten I had, I've been working with dogs for like 10 years, maybe more than that, and I've never had a dog bite. And now, I don't know how long it's been, maybe like in, I would, I want to say within one month, I had two extremely close calls, one of which was a very minor bite, but broke the skin. Yeah. And there were two puppies under six months and got during COVID. Are you that's, okay if we if we unpack this one a little bit? Yeah, and dig I think into that's it? I think that's a great podcast episode. To be honest, this is the one about dog bites. The one about dog bites, and it's one that you know we could have we could have done. I don't even know if it was on our list to be honest, but no, because they hadn't it, had but, one. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say. We could have done it, but from a very arm's length perspective. But right. now you know, having had this experience firsthand, I think it's probably the right time to to get into it. So. You know, let's talk about dog bites. I mean, it feels like when you're a dog trainer and you've worked with as many dogs as you have, hundreds of dogs, probably thousands of dogs, mm -hmm. definitely tens of thousands of hours of working with dogs, it almost seems to me like getting bitten is inevitable. It comes with mm -hmm. the territory. And, and maybe that's just an outsider's naive point of view. But up until this point, like maybe think back 
six months ago, eight months ago, how did you think about dog bites as a dog trainer? Like what was kind of your perception at the time? And then we can, we can talk about now and, and your experience with it, but mm-hmm. think back to then and, and, and how you maybe considered dog bites. So I'm really fortunate to be a part of um, an amazing network of people who are other dog trainers around the world, all thanks to Caesar Milan. And so dog bites is something that has come up in forums um, and a lot of more experienced dog trainers share their experiences with more novice trainers just so that you know how to prepare yourself mentally um, for something like a dog bite because it is a bit of a shock to your system, a bit of a shock to your ego. There's a lot that happens when you get bit by a dog. I clearly remember one time when I was volunteering with Caesar, someone got bit by a dog that was attending the workshop. So at Caesar Milan's uh, dog psychology, this was the one in Florida, mm. and it was a chihuahua sitting on someone's lap, and a volunteer got bit by the chihuahua. And Caesar was there to coach the girl through it and almost in a, in a way really set the tone of this is normal and this is what you can expect to experience and this is going to overwhelm you. So what I mean by that is how Caesar explained it and how I've seen many dog trainers explain it is there's a transfer of energy that happens when you are on the receiving end of getting a dog bite. And it, it doesn't even have to do with the context of what led to the bite. I mean, there's so much there. As dog trainers, you will beat yourself up. You will say, oh my God, I did something stupid, or I should have seen that coming, whatever. So there's that portion of it, but that's that's all ego. And then there's the side of it that you have, you're on the receiving end of some really negative, toxic, heavy energy. For the very first time now, I'm able to sit in that position and be like I've experienced that even though my bite was very minor I I still remember I came home from class and I was sitting in the living room and I was like oh my god I feel nervousness I feel like there are knots in my stomach my head is spinning I don't know what is going on I feel so anxious in my body and I, I couldn't put a finger on why that was happening. I was like, yeah, I got this little bite, clean the wound, no big problem. I'm not going to dwell on it. Lesson learned, but I couldn't, I couldn't really wrap my head around what the heck was going on with me internally. And then I sat and I reflected and it, it actually took me a little bit of time to, because I think I downplayed the bite too. I'm like, well, it was nothing. It was kind of like, Uh, not a nip right because nips don't really break the skin when I think about it in terms of puppies Um, this one did but I didn't have a serious injury from it so it took me a couple days and then I realized holy crap this what I was feeling is how that dog feels all the time so that's why I couldn't put a, a finger on it because it didn't belong to me. That energy, that state of mind, it didn't belong to me. It just was passing through. And I I felt really bad for the dog. I was going to say, when you said that, like, it just was kind of like an epiphany for me. Do you feel that having had that experience might set you up to be 
almost a more empathetic trainer because now you know, just as you said in your own words, how that dog was relating to the world, how that dog was feeling in that circumstance, in that moment. And now having had that experience yourself, it almost feels like you might be in a position to better understand that dog and better lead that dog. 100%. And I've always kind of known I'm a sensitive type, and I think sensitive people make really, really good dog trainers um, because you pick up on things like energy and how humans feel and how dogs feel. But this made it so tactile that it almost scared me a little bit. But 100%, I will be way more aware of of that even more so going forward thinking about kind of the experience as a journey right this this thing happened you you said you reflected on it right after the fact you know is it something that is kind of over and done with are you still processing it like how how are you thinking about it now you know several weeks later i think i'm still processing it and unpacking it um because it's not like I just go to sleep and then wake up or have a shower and it's like, oh, that energy is gone now. Um, being super sensitive, you can absorb, you can hold on to other other beings' energy. There was a sense of having to acknowledging that that wasn't mine. I didn't have to hold on to it. With meditation and practicing being in the moment and being present in my own skin, I think it still just takes time, right? And you got right back on the horse too. I mean you finished that particular class and Mm -hmm. you've done subsequent classes and you're back at daycare and how much of that do you think is important in terms of not letting a bite oh yeah get you off your game I think it can shake a lot of people and again my bite wasn't anything major so it didn't mess up my hand and affect my job Um, so if you're fortunate enough and that's the case yeah, keep going, plug away, don't suppress, like acknowledge. If you need to cry, cry, do it, let it release, but don't let it hold you back from continuing to work with dogs, really, because it's going to make you better, it's going to make you stronger, it is a lesson to be learned, and we all make mistakes. Caesar's been bit, like the best of the best. I didn't, I don't know if I knew that. Oh my gosh, it's, there's a whole episode, you have to watch it. Um, I think if you just even YouTube or Google Susan Milan's worst bite. Okay. It comes up. Holly, she was a lab, big lab, um, that was contacted contacted Caesar because she had pretty serious food aggression. That's impressive that the lab was able to contact Caesar. <laughs> yeah, really, really smart, smart dog. Um, but yeah, it was a young couple and they had a son. And Caesar was like, Let you can't have a dog this aggressive around food with your kid in the house. Um, and so Caesar ended up keeping the dog, long story short. Holly was on my pack walk. I walked her when I took my course with Caesar Milan. So, yeah. Impressive. There's a little factoid for you. I love that. Is it in the picture? You know that picture with you in the pink top walking with the crew? Yeah. Is that yeah. when you're walking? Yeah, Holly's there. No way. Yeah. I always point that out in group class, being like, oh, yeah. That's Caesar's worst bite, and yeah. she's putting in my hand. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, okay, something we should have we should have probably talked about from the get go. I hear a lot of people, and and I'm not I'm not trying to diminish anybody else's experiences, but I hear a lot of people say, "Oh, my dog bites me," mm-hmm. or "Oh, I got bit by my dog," 
But I think what I've come to learn, and, and I'd love your interpretation of this, dogs are very intentional with the use of their mouths. They're very precise. They're very deliberate. 100%. They're very intentional. And so what a lot of people characterize as biting, you might refer to as like nipping or mouthing or other things. Like a warning. So can you kind of talk about maybe the mechanics of a bite and like, you know, why dogs bite and what a bite is versus some of these other things that are maybe misconstrued as bites? Yeah. And that's even why I'm hesitant to call mine a bite uh, because it, it was, and I mean, I'm quick, but dogs are way faster, always. Our hand can't move out of the way as fast as a dog is going to bite. But for me, a bite is when it punctures the skin. And so what a lot of people characterize to me um, are nips, are mouthing, are warnings. Because a dog's mouth, like you said, very powerful. Their teeth are very sharp. If they want to do damage, they can and they will. So um, there are instances for sure you might be playing with your dog and you get a nick, um, but a bite, a bite is very different. Um, and, and you'll know that because of the, the feeling on the other end. The uh, energy transfer, yeah. the intent. Yeah. yeah. There wasn't so much pain with, again, because mine was, wasn't deep at all because um, of my cat-like reflexes. <laughs> um, but there wasn't really any pain associated with the puncture wounds. It was all internal. It was all energy. Wow. It's I just, I don't know. It, it, it's it's kind of a mind-bending thing. That, it really is. That, yeah. I, I'm aware there are people who probably think I'm being a hippie, saying something like that. <laughs> Whatever. I'm okay with it. Have you been bit by a dog? Then you no, don't know. <laughs> no, and that's you know what I I I don't think I have. I don't think I have. Well, I, I'd know if I was. I mean, so clearly yeah. I haven't. But yeah, um, yeah. No, thanks for sharing that. Maybe you know, coming full circle, we started this episode by talking about the downward spiral of COVID and dogs, especially COVID puppies. Yeah, we want to make sure that people are left with sort of some actionable things that they can do, right? So, you know, I think it would be good to talk about if your dog is exhibiting some of these human aggression, human aggressive behaviors or tendencies, what can people do? And maybe related to that, if you're not at that point yet, but you think that there could be a risk, what could you do? Like, I think there's kind of almost two different forks in the road. If you're already, if you're already in kind of the depths of COVID puppy, you know, how do you, how do you recover and what can people be doing now in the circumstances that we're in to make sure that they don't get there? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Honest to dog is all about being real and providing solutions and not shaming people. Yeah. Right. We're not um, judging people yeah. with COVID dogs. Yeah. I mean, I did say I didn't want people doing it. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't get a dog if we're going into quarantine. Hey, if it happens again, just don't get a dog. Um, but if you have, or like Jeff said, you're in the thick of it, you already did it. I've come up with a really simple tweak of Caesar Milan's, um, equation of what makes it for a balanced dog to get people back on track with their own pet. So if you think about it again, when we were all in lockdown, there was very little exercise happening for our dogs. 
a lot of dogs had no structure because humans had no structure. We didn't get up and have to go to work or really do anything. So we all kind of lost our footing. What dogs were getting primarily was affection, affection, affection. Um, and that always will lead to instability. So we're getting these puppies and we're spoiling them rotten. We're playing with them. We're not fulfilling their body or mind. And so they go stir crazy. And so what I tell clients is in dealing with an, a dog on average, you should do 50% exercise, 25% discipline, and 25% affection. So discipline and affection are equal portions and exercise is the most. Now that we have dogs that have been so overwhelmingly spoiled with affection, 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 we need to dramatically shift that equation. So what I'm proposing now is, hold on, I wrote it down because it was like a light went off and I was like, can't forget this. Exercise still remains 50% because you, you're, if you started with nothing, it's still going to go up right? So exercise still the most important. Discipline is now 45% and affection is 5%. That is it. So what we're doing is we're dramatically shifting to earning way more respect with our dogs and trust and creating higher value of what affection means. So when you're giving it away for free all the time, it's like your currency and it's inflation. There, It has no worth anymore. You're just constantly giving it out. If you hold back and pull back, it's now going to go back up in value and be more meaningful for your dog. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. Just to for, for those who are maybe joining the podcast later on, I think we've done one about... The one about affection. About affection. Can you just remind us, like, what... What constitutes affection? It's not just cuddles. Like, no. there are a lot of things that could be construed it's, as affection that is. fall into that 5%. There's a lot of things. There's play, there's touch, there's talk, there's eye contact, there's time on the furniture with you, your dog sleeping on your bed, or cuddle time on the couch. All of those things are meaningful ways to have affection with your dog. But if I told you you only have 5% to spend in your day, how would you make that the most impactful with yeah. your dog? Yeah. Would it be play or would it be, would you really use it for eight hours to sleep on the bed with you? No, that's not very meaningful time with affection for your dog. What I love about that is is that it, it reframes how you think about affection, that it's it's like quality time, right? If you think yeah. about, you know, the, the love languages, right? Mm-hmm. It's about making that you know, time where you're showing your dog affection truly quality time and being intentional about it so that it's meaningful for both you and your dog. And like you say, you're not giving it away for free. You know, you're able to channel more of your energy into building respect through rules, boundaries, limitations. Yeah. And you can show love through leadership. Well, that's it. Yeah, that's, that's it. That's a huge it's, it's way. It's not saying, hey, because I'm cutting my affection quotient down from 25% of my time to 5% of my time, it's not saying I'm loving my dog 20% less. Not at all. Mm-hmm. You're loving through leadership. I love that. That's yeah. that's really good. And like to your point about the love languages, from what I understand with that is everybody has two love languages, right? Or like one definitely preferred way that you would like to receive 
love and affection. And it's your job to learn your partner's love language so that you can show them both yours and theirs. So I don't think a lot of dogs' love language is cuddles, right? That's probably more so human's love language to dogs. Mm -hmm. We need to learn our dogs. So I still remember Carmen's love language was exploring Explore, new places. I was going to say exploring new places. Going on adventures, using our big schnoz to like smell different <laughs> paths. We always <laughs> joked about that. But that was a huge way for me to show her meaningful affection in her love language. Mm-hmm. Baker, I think Baker might be a cuddles type. And he loves that slow massage. Slow that massage. slow, Deep meaningful massage. massage. Ty, I think Ty's love language is play. I do. So when I that's when I feel very I connect with him very much. I think it could be yeah play slash exercise because I can't think of a time when Ty is more mm-hmm. in his element than when we're on a bike ride with him and he's able to just you know put yep. his foot on the gas right yeah um, or on like a long walk. I think that's a really powerful thought if you can reframe what affection means to your dog, be it going on a big walk, exploring new places, going for a run, then it's not hard to turn down the affection dial, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're still giving your dog love in all those other ways. And you're able to make that physical, like touch, talk, eye contact more meaningful by doing less of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then like that led to my whole next brainwave, which I so want to take this somewhere of like a Weight Watchers diet of (laughs) here's how you earn points, here's how you spend points with your dog. So you can earn points. If you want to spend more time doing affection with your dog, do a longer walk, do more discipline. Um, So what does discipline look like? Discipline isn't punishment, right? We know this. Discipline is mental stimulation for your dog. It's structure. It's rules, boundaries, limitations. So a great way to show and enforce discipline with your dog is place. Practicing place for an hour, maybe that gives you extra points, right? Create time while you're home. Training exercises, all things like that. I love that because for somebody who, for whatever reason, feels it's important to them to have dog up on the couch while they're watching Bachelorette, that's totally cool so long as you have accrued yeah. the hour, like the, the points. Yeah, you put in the work. You put in the work. So it's like, hey, it, it's kind of like, you know, with the video workouts I've been doing, what Phil says is like, if you know you're going to, you know, go have some whoopsies, you know, you got to balance it out, right? Yeah. You got to balance it out by working out a little harder, working out a little longer, putting in an extra session. And so it's not like, hey, you can't go do these things that you enjoy, like cuddling with your dog or whatever. It's you need to have earned it first. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. Not a diet. Not a diet. So it's not a Weight Watchers diet program. (laughs) It's a lifestyle. It's balanced training. Everything in moderation. I love it. I love it. Well, I think that is about a wrap on our first episode back. Just like getting back on the horse or back in the pack after a bite, here we are, back on the horse. It really wasn't that hard. I don't know. I I was a little nervous. I think, you know, being totally transparent with our our listeners, like, 
I was like, oh, we're so out of practice here and I'm scared to put another episode out because, you know, people are going to be like, where have these people been? And yeah. I felt like maybe some judgment or something. But this is good. This is natural. Yeah. And and it was it's life. Life happens. Life we got happens. thrown a major curveball. So I'm sorry, but no apologies. Yeah. Sorry, not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> we needed to take some time. But yeah, no, I had I had definite nerves going into doing this um, as well. And so we just did a little breathing exercise before starting. And I think it We did. We listened to off. a little Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. Go your own way. little breathing exercise. Cranked out a podcast. Brilliant. Well, I'm happy to be back here with you, Liz. This is really fun. And uh, we look forward to all of your comments. Let us know how COVID pandemic 2020 lockdown has been going for your family with your dog. Be honest with us. If you're having problems, let us know. If you're closer to your dog than ever, let us know. Drop us a, a, a DM on Instagram or um, you know, hit us up on email. Leave a comment uh, with the episode. Please subscribe. We are going to commit to getting back in the groove and bringing you some great content. We've got lots of great ideas and we are excited to bring them to you over the coming weeks. Thanks so much, guys, for listening. Talk to you soon. If you like what you heard, hit that subscribe button and leave us a comment or a review. We'd love to hear from you. We release a new podcast weekly. Follow us on Instagram at Honest to Dog Podcast. Honest to Dog Podcast is hosted by Liz Foley and Jeff Gadway. The show is engineered, edited, and produced by me, Timothy Musa. Support for the podcast is provided by The Doghouse. For all things training and daycare, head over to their website, doghaus.ca.